about the family, as you might well be aware, the last few weeks. And um, as we go into the teaching this morning, uh, I want to go ahead and remind you of a couple of things about me personally. Um, because, you know, I don't want it to sound like I'm speaking from an ivory tower, if you will. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a husband. I'm a father of uh, two teenagers beautiful teenagers and a beautiful five-year-old boy. And so uh, I want to remind you that I'm in the trenches with you as we go through this teaching, right? <laughs> and that I am, I, as, I, as I am speaking, as God is speaking through me, he is speaking to all of us in this room, including myself. Amen? And um, what I want to talk about this morning is uh, teaching begins at home. Amen? Teaching begins at home. And uh, one of the, I think, greatest tragedies that has occurred even within the body of Christ is the fact that many people, unfortunately, have abdicated their responsibility as parents in regards to the teaching to our children and leaving that responsibility to other people, uh, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. When we abdicate, we basically are failing to fulfill or undertake a responsibility or duty in our lives. That's, that's practically what that means. And it is unfortunate that many fathers and mothers uh, uh, have relinquished or given up this responsibility and allowed others to take them for them, whether it's uh, youth pastors, <laughs> whether it's teachers at, uh, at school, um, whatever the case may be. And many times I can tell you that sometimes we think when we think about this type of situation of, of an abdication, we might go to an extreme and think about an alcoholic father that's not present there. We might think about a mother who's neglectful, et cetera, whatever it might be. But unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of loving, hardworking fathers and attentive mothers may be committing the sin of abdication without even realizing it. And God is waking us up to this because it's a great responsibility to have children. Fifteen years ago, when my daughter was born, you know, my wife and I were very young, and we had, obviously, like most people know, experience, so we spent about a week, I think it was, at my mother-in-law's house. It was pretty cool, you know, because I got a really good breakfast. <laughs> Something they didn't give me at the hospital. Right, Father? Like, the mom gets the breakfast. What about me? Right? So, mother-in-law cooked a really good breakfast. Uh, and we spent about a week, a week and a half there, you know, mother-in-law teaching my wife and guiding her in regards to how to feed the baby. And after about a week and a half or so, we decided to load up the car, baby car seat for the first time, kind of, does it go this way? Is she well-adjusted? <laughs> you know, you all, all the things that you go through. And finally, we're driving. It's maybe about 8 o'clock at night. We're driving to our home, and we're completely silent. We're not speaking. It's as if at that moment, this realization came upon us that we had this great responsibility in our hands and we were in shock. Mother-in-law wasn't there anymore. It was just her and me. And so I'll never forget that. Never, ever forget that. And I think that I'm not the only one that has experienced that. My wife and I are not the only ones that has experienced that, that moment in, in our lives. And so we have to understand that we have a great responsibility and that our homes, besides being a place where we have enough 
money, for all the material things that we need, um, that it should be the primary place for four things. And I'm sorry, five things. And we've probably mentioned them here already, but I'm going to remind you. The first thing is that it should be a place of nurture and protection. Number two, it should be the primary location for instruction. Number three, it should be a place where respect for authority is taught. Four, it should be a place of accountability and discipline. And number five, it should be a place where we are modeling faith for our children. Amen? In other words, 1 Timothy 5.8, which says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith, and listen to this, and he is worse, worse than an unbeliever. Now, God is not referring only to material things, guys, in this, in this uh, scripture. Even though the context tells us a little bit about widows and things of that nature and providing for them. But it is not limited to only material things. He's speaking about more than just a house, food, clothes, phones, Nikes, television, video games. Whatever it might be that you want to give your child that you didn't have yourself when you were a young child yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, being a parent is hard work. Amen? For those of us who are hard workers and we wake up every morning at 5 or 6 in the morning to go work, I'm a hard American worker. I work for my money. I've made what I... Guess what? In there, being a parent is included. It's hard work. You got to put time into it. When you're feeling tired, when you're feeling exhausted, when you're feeling in a bad mood, you still got to go do it because that's what you do when you go to work, don't you? You wake up and you might be feeling in a bad mood. You're tired. Maybe you didn't sleep well. Maybe you ate too much the night before. Whatever it might be. Maybe you're upset with your spouse and you still have to go to work, change your attitude and get things done, right? Roll up your sleeves and I got to put in those 40, 50, 60 hours. Guess what? Parenting is the same thing. And more important. I want us to focus today on the fact that our home, according to God's word, is the primary location of instruction and a place where we're going to model faith for our children. <clears throat> Proverbs 22.6 is a very interesting scripture. It says, train up the child in the way we should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, the very interesting thing that I find about it is that in the middle of speaking about a good name, he speaks about the rich and the poor. He speaks about humility and the fear of the Lord and staying away from evil ways, which are like thorns and traps. In the middle of all that stuff, all of a sudden he just comes up like, oh yeah, train up a child in his way. And when he departs from it, I mean, when he grows old, he will not depart from it. It's like within that context of all these things, is he's, he's trying to say, these are the things that you want to train your children in. So whether you train your child for the negatives or for the positives, that's the way he or she is going to go as he grows older. And let me tell you, it's not just going to be uh, us speaking or lecturing them all the time. It's going to be what they see, what they hear. <clears throat> 
Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You know, when uh, Andres, my five-year-old, was about, I think he was about 10 months old. Um, we had Pastor Victor and his wife over for dinner one day, and we had him in our lap. I don't remember what he wanted to grab from the table. And he, wanted, and he started crying. Just, you know, y'all know that, right? Y'all know what that happens. So the little baby says, I want my way. It's either my way or, rah! And he started getting... And what happens a lot of times when we have visitors or we have something that's going on, we want to quiet that child down, right? We just want them to go ahead and stop doing what he's, he or she is doing. And so we, we give them what they're asking for. And I decided at that moment, you're not going to get what you, you want. You're going to learn. And I kept him from getting what he wanted. And he yelled and he screamed. Until he finally realized, and we were trying to talk over his voice, right? Over his screaming with Pastor Victor. And, ah! Until he finally calmed down and he realized, well, I guess they're not going to give me this, so I better stop. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's the rod of reproof. I didn't have to hit him. Although I'm not against spanking. <laughs> but I didn't have to do that. That's the rod of reproof. <clears throat> We had to learn how to do that. If I would have left him to himself and left him to his own little whims and whatever he wanted to do, I am being negligent in my job as a parent. Correction and instruction go hand in hand. The rod represents the means by which we show a child that they are doing wrong. And that could either be, you know, a little pat, or it could be taking something away from them. The reproof is the correction where we teach them the right way to go. Right? So they go hand in hand. Instruction and correction go hand in hand. This is going to bring wisdom for their present and future living. Now I want to go ahead and um, uh, us to go uh, to a scripture that is, is, uh, is very interesting. And I want us to go ahead and break the scripture down a bit. And understand what God is, was speaking to his people in those days and what he is speaking to us now. That's the wonderful thing about the word of God, right? Even though it was written uh, thousands of years ago, it's still relevant today. It will never stop being relevant. People have tried to burn this thing, get it out of the way, you know, try to put it aside. But it's still relevant for us today. Amen. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want you to go there with me. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6. In this part of the account of God's people, Moses is instructing the Israelites as they are about to go into the promised land. God has been taking them through this whole journey. Unfortunately, 40 years in the desert because of their disobedience, right? Going around and around and around. But they're about to get there. This is the second generation, and they're about to conquer the land. And Moses is here instructing the Israelites about their relationship with the Lord and how they're supposed to carry out this relationship with, with God. This land that they're about to inhabit is a land where the people who have lived there have lived in horrible sin for ages. Sin and idolatry. And God is using the people of Israel to bring judgment upon these people and to glorify himself 
and to give his people a place from which they could be a light to the rest of the world. As we read this part of Deuteronomy, we see that God is instructing them to go ahead and see how to, how to teach their children. So let's go to verse 4 in this chapter. And we're going to read from verse 4 to verse 9. I think my version might be just a little different because I have the NASB here. But if you follow with me, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God is instructing his people, and from what I'm reading here, especially fathers. Now, the mother's role is very, 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 very important. Okay? I'm really emphasizing that, ladies. In case my wife is listening to me so I won't sleep on the couch tonight. Right? <laughs> the mother's role is very, very, very important. But fathers, we always see in Scripture that God is always speaking to the fathers. The male. And I'm going to tell you right now, starting with myself, that males in the church, we have been guilty of abdicating this responsibility too much because I'm the one bringing the bacon home. I'm busy doing this. I'm busy doing that. And we got to remember that God is speaking here to us. And he's saying, he's instructing the people so that generation after generation would continue in the same path. Look at what verse 2 says in that same chapter. It says, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. He, he is interested in generations, guys. And the awesome thing is that when we teach our children and we pass that on to our grandchildren, our grandchild will understand it and he or she will teach it to their children and their grandchildren and the whole thing continues generation after generation. Do you see that? How that works? <clears throat> and so we start with verse number six where God says, Hear, O Israel. Now this part of the scripture is known as the Shema because that's what uh, the word hear is in Hebrew, Shema. And this word doesn't just mean hearing or even just listening, but it implies actually acting upon what you're hearing. That's why the author in the New Testament says, be not only what? Hearers of the word, but doers. <clears throat> and so every time Israel would hear this word Shema, hear, they would understand that they were called not just to listen attentively, to take notes, and after the whole thing is done, man, that was a beautiful message. Let's go home and watch some football. Nothing wrong with football, though. I'm just letting you know. It's just about priorities. <laughs> it's about doing what we are listening to and hearing. Amen? And that's why this is emphasized 
so much here in the scripture. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Before the Lord, through Moses, tells parents what they have to do, listen to this very carefully, he reminds them that we cannot accomplish this with our children without ourselves having the right relationship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot give what you don't have. You cannot model a relationship with the Lord if you don't have that relationship with God yourself. You cannot tell your kids to pray when you're not praying. You cannot tell your kids to read the Bible when you don't open it yourself and you don't even know where to go. You cannot tell your children to go, go to youth when you don't even come to the Bible studies yourself. You cannot tell your children to come to connect groups when you're not being discipled yourself. It doesn't work that way. It will never work. There is no function in that. I was speaking to one of the gentlemen in our Spanish congregation, and he amazed me. This man, I mean, I am learning from him. This guy has to work every other Sunday. He's in the petroleum industry, and he has to work every other Sunday. Thank God he has some flexibility, but he has his priorities in order. He wants to model a place of faith to his children. He wants to grow spiritually, and, and he wants to have victory in his life. How many want victory in your life? This guy wakes up at 4 in the morning on the Sunday that he has to go to work, heads to work, gets the job done, comes back home, picks up his family, and listen to this, and he comes at 10 o'clock for Sunday school. Not, for the, not just for the service. Oh, you know, I'm going to rest a little bit. I'm going to wait till 11, 11.30 or 12 to go to the actual No. He comes back to Sunday school. And he did it when he was going to another congregation living about an hour away from the place. He would take his children with him early in the morning when they were little. Go get the job done, the stops that he had to make, and then let's go to church. I'm going to tell you something. It blew me away. Why would something like that have to blow me away? Because it's not very common. Because we have our priorities out of order. And God is calling us to put our priorities in order and to have a, a, a right relationship with him before we can give what we have to give to our children. He says, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Before I teach these things to my children, ladies and gentlemen, I have to accept them as absolute truth that comes directly from the mouth of my creator. If, if, if we're not going to do that, we might as well just forget about being cultural Christians, guys. Forget about America being a Christian nation because that's all it is sometimes. It's just part of what we do. But there is no true relationship or connection with God. We have to have a true relationship with the Lord, all right? We have to be real with him. We have to be open. We have to be, guys, when, when our children see that, I don't know if you've, young people, especially teenagers, can see right through us. They can see right through people. And they can tell when somebody's hypocritical and they're not being honest with them. We got to be real. We have to have a relationship with the Lord. You shall teach them diligently, says the word of God. Diligence is careful and persistent work. 
persistent, not giving up. When I'm tired, when I'm angry, when I'm in a bad mood, when I haven't had enough to eat, when I wanted to watch my show, when I wanted to watch my football game instead of do this, diligently, persistent, all right? There are so many things that we are diligent at. Work and making money, sticking to our favorite sports teams, those Dallas Cowboys fans. I think it said something about Dallas Cowboys here in the scripture. No, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Pastor Zeke. You're going to say, you're out of the youth ministry. <laughs> Keeping our houses clean, our image. What about teaching our children God's word? Are we persistent? Are we diligent? Are we consistent? And then it says, when you sit, in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, God and his word should be involved in everything that we do. You know, I, uh, I love taking road trips with my family. How many of y'all like taking road trips? I love taking road trips. The minute we bu finally bought ourselves a van, it was a used van, you know, not brand new, kind of clunky. We had to go ahead and fix a few things before we took it out on long trips, uh, but we had plenty of space to go out in, um, in trips, and I have a lot of memories. We've, we've created a lot of memories, um, and I love listening to music. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you. I, I don't go inside my car and sit down with my children, and I put, all right, guys, we're going to listen to some spiritual music right away. Oh, you know, I have my favorites. I have my favorites, especially from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I have my playlist there, right? And my children are exposed to old folk stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the old school, is the, no, there's no school like the old school, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they love it. And my daughter's like, man, I love taking trips. And when you put the music on, it's really cool. But we always got to be reminded. We got to be disciplined, guys. We got to be consistent. We got to be diligent in always remembering to include the Lord in everything that we do. Even in those trips. Even in those trips when we're trying to relax. Let me tell you, I got a full-time job outside of the church. Just like Pastor Mark. For 40, 50 hours outside of, the, outside of the church. I'm busy here with youth ministry. I lead a school of ministry for the, for the adults in Spanish. I do Bible studies in Spanish, teaching here in English. I'm pretty busy. There are times that I just want to get away from everything, including the church. And I want to just relax. But I can't get away from God, and I shouldn't get away from God. So if I take my children my wife on a trip, and we're having fun out there, whatever, God is here. Let's read scripture. Let's have a teaching moment. Be sensitive to teachable moments. It doesn't mean that I, okay, let's stop the van in the middle of the freeway and open your Bibles, guys. Let's, let's look for teachable moments. <laughs> All right, guys, put your food down over here in, the, uh, 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 in this cafe, and we're going to start praying and having this. No. We got to look for teachable moments in every single situation that we can, that we possibly can. And we can bring up the Word of God, and we can bring up a conversation. We got to train our minds to do that. Guys, it's hard work. It's being conscious of those situations. And so, as the Word of God says, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, 
Be aware, be aware that there are teachable moments in every situation that you can take advantage of, especially when they become teenagers. I'm gonna tell you right now, and I know those of you who have teenagers, it's so cute when they're four or five years old, right? Once they become teenagers, they don't want you to dress them anymore, obviously, for obvious reasons. You can't choose their clothes anymore. My children, I can't choose their clothes anymore. Like for their birthdays, I can't go to the store and say, yeah, I'm gonna buy this shirt for my boy. I gotta give him a gift card so he can go choose his own stuff because he's gonna say, hey, what is this, right? They're, they're developing their own independent mind. They're thinking for themselves. They're asking questions. They challenge. Sometimes they have an attitude. It's not easy. And so we got to go ahead and train ourselves. We got to find ways, whether we stick to people who have been there before and they can teach us something, whether we look up videos for ministries to, to, to teach us how to, how to be practical and reaching our own children and being missionaries to them, if you will. The first missionaries to our children is us. The first pastors are us. I'm going to tell you, you who are parents of children, of, of teenagers here, Pastor Zeke is not their first youth pastor. You are. He's there to support you in your primary role. Why is everybody so quiet? Then he keeps on saying, bind them as a sign on your hand, as frontals on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. The Jewish community has taken this literally. Most of them, depending on the denomination that they're in, if you will, they actually carry the word of God in little boxes on their necks, their forehead. They have what you call the mezuzah. I think that's what you call it, where they have a little scroll of this scripture in their door. Now, you might think that's over-religious, but in my opinion, any way that you can find to remind yourself and your entire family that this is God's house. Do you have scriptures set up in, in your, on your wall? Do you have a Bible there, Bibles available for them? I've seen families that you go, back in the days when you had DVDs, right? Because now it's the new days, right? But I've seen families where I go inside the home and they have a whole bookshelf of DVDs, movies all over the place. Where are the books? Where are the Bibles? We, we got we to gotta make changes, ladies and gentlemen. We got to do things that will have God's word everywhere as much as possible. Have the word of God continually before you. Find practical ways to do this, whatever the means may be. And sometimes, you know, another thing that my family and I love doing is watching movies. How many of you love doing that? I'm never going to preach, I don't think we're going to ever preach against movies that it's a sin here, depending on what you watch, right? And if you have your own collection of DVDs, I'm not against that either. I don't think God is against that. It's just where the priorities are at. And we love watching movies. Once in a while, though, it's a good idea to find a movie that'll have some kind of really good lesson because we love watching comedies, adventure, action, all this really cool stuff. What about finding something that'll have a good spiritual lesson behind it that you can discuss afterward, that you can talk about, that you can find teachable moments for. These are practical ways, ladies and gentlemen, that we can use what we have within our hands to not abdicate our responsibility as parents. Amen? I want to tell you something. I want to remind you of something. We just... Uh, 
Again, going back to what Sister Lorena told us or reminded us of, God's mercy is new every day. God's grace. At one point, I, I, I said something like this in front of a couple of, uh, uh, a couple that I was getting advice from, and I said, I regret. And they reminded me, don't regret. It's God's grace. God's grace is available. And it was in regards to my children. God's grace is there. And God's grace is available to you. If you feel this morning and you, talk, you think about, man, I've really messed up with my children. I've made these mistakes. I've abdicated my responsibility. Now they may be grown and out on their own, and I didn't do this and I didn't do that. I should have done better. God doesn't want you to live in regret. God wants you to live in his grace. And there's a huge difference. And he wants to remind you that <clears throat> as you go through life and the stages in your life, there are opportunities to redeem time. Because that's what God does. He redeems, doesn't it? He's our greatest redemptor. He redeems. There are opportunities to redeem time, even as a grandparent, even as a person who, whose children are grown. There is, there is a way to redeem time. If you're still here, if you're not six feet underground, guess what? God has given you an opportunity for redemption. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. It's not over. There's still hope for redemption. That's the beauty of the Lord and of his grace and of the entire message of the gospel is that there is grace. There is grace. And so the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Do not, do not, and this goes to everybody, those who are about to be parents, those who have little children at their home, those who have teenagers and college-age kids, those who are grandparents, those of you who are mentors to other young people as big brothers and sisters, do not abdicate the responsibility that God has put in your hands. We are going to be held accountable. We are going to be held accountable one day before God's throne. 